Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glut. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. My guest today is Sal Stefano. He is one of the hosts of the Mind Pump Podcast. You can find him on Instagram at Mind Pump Stefano or Mind Pump Media. Sal <laughs> Stefano, welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. Thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Dude, in this, in this space, and I've talked to a lot of people, and I'm not even like angry at anybody trying to sell something because I think that's how people survive. They sell stuff. That's many people's jobs. But my perception of you is you are giving away an idea for free that is about perspective on health and fitness, which, you know, if people just listen to what you're saying, it's like a magical gift where if you go like, if we're entirely aesthetics captured and just working towards that versus concentrating on health, like the benefits, we, it gets us in the door faster. There's no huge runway to like un, uh, unattainable results. And and I really think that that's like noble of you. Are you are you in some like altruistic quest here? Well, I mean, man, thank you so much, by the way. That was a very nice way to, to you know, to put all put it all. Um, I, I trained people for a long time. I, I started as a trainer at the age of 18 and then managed gyms and I've been in the space for a long time. And what you'll find in certain markets and certain spaces that is that people enter into them because of passion for what they're doing. Fitness isn't necessarily, well, definitely isn't a space people get into because they want to make a lot of money. It's not a great space to make money. So I'll let people know ahead of time. I think you're going to make a lot of money being a trainer. Uh, working in the gym industry, you're, you're very few people can do that. So I really wanted to help people, and I had a deep passion for for fitness. So I combined the two, um, and I've been on this kind of journey of just I love it. I love what I do. It's like I can't do anything else, really. Um, thankfully, you know, I, I've 
found my partners and we built mind pump and um, we've had good success. But for most of my career, I just, I owned a small wellness studio. I managed in grand open gyms and I trained people and I just love it. And, you know, you mentioned something when we started about selling or, you know, you, you, had, you use the term selling or sales. We, those of us in the fitness space who really, really care about people and, and want to do this the right way, we have to figure out how to sell our ideas, the right way to do things better than the other guys or girls or people can sell the wrong way. And that's hard because the wrong way is an easy sell. Like it's really easy for me to say, Hey man, you feel crappy about yourself. I got the solution for you. It's in this bottle. You lose 30 pounds in 30 days, do this extreme thing, whatever. You're already hating yourself. That's great. Hate yourself more. You're not good enough. And I'm, I'm out here saying, Oh, okay. It's lose 30 pounds. I mean, if you do it the right way, it's probably gonna take a long time, maybe a year. You got to really change deep things about how you look at yourself and your relationship to food and activity. And it's a journey. It's not really a destination. I know you want to lose 30 pounds, but this is something that you'll be doing for the rest of your life. Like I'm, I'm selling something that's hard to sell. So I better learn how to communicate it effectively. And so over the last two and a half decades, uh, that's what I did. That's what I think it's what all coaches and trainers do. It's you just, you start to figure out how to say what you're trying to say in a way that really resonates with the average person. So, I mean, you know, what's my, what are my intentions and goals? I mean, I, I've always wanted to help people. I think I'm better at it now than I was when I first started for sure. I, I wasn't too good at it for a long time, but that's, that's basically it, man. And we're in a, you know, it's, it's a struggle. It's a battle because the default uh, in modern societies is poor health. That's just, you know, if you just live the way you're quote unquote supposed to eat the way you're supposed to, the default is really bad, uh, physical and mental. And you can throw spiritual health in there as well. Um, it, that's the default. And so in order to not be a part of the default, you got to be a little, you got to be weird. You got to do things differently. And that's hard when everybody's swimming in one direction, it's hard to swim in another direction. Uh, especially when everything's organized in a particular way to move you in a particular way. So it's, it's tough, but if you look around, if you look at the, a lot of the problems that we have, you know, this very well, so many of them are related to just our poor health. I don't think that's going to solve all the world's problems, but man, so many of our issues are related to poor health, even our mental issues. And, and we now have data very clearly showing that, it, you know, it just seems like, yeah, in America, you know, I, I, and this might be naive and it might just be my perspective because it's what I've dealt with the most. But it, it, it my perception is it's one of the most foundational issues in America today. And and like when I was a kid, it wasn't such a big deal. So I kind of stood out I, or I felt that I did. And, and now it's so everywhere, wherever you go in America, you can see signs of poor health, even even that our lifespan is deteriorating. It's crazy. It's, it, we've it, learned it's wild. To, yeah, we've learned how to live longer, although we're starting to hit the wall with that, as you mentioned, but we've ignored how to live better. Um, and I don't think, uh, you know, look, humans learn through trial and error. And so if you follow us, for a long periods of time, like millennia, we tend to improve. Okay. So I don't want to paint this really dark picture, but what we did in the, in the 20th century is we solved some really big problems, which were, we don't have enough food and nutrition. That was a big problem. A lot of people don't realize just how recent it was that we solved that. 
for lots of people. In fact, we lifted more people out of poverty in the back half of the 20th century than we did in the previous you know, 10,000 years uh, in, in, in terms of just having access to things like food, water, and shelter. So we, we, we had that problem. We had the problem of back-breaking labor. Like, we hurt. We were tired. We beat our bodies up. You ever look at pictures of 20-year-olds from the 1910s or 20s? I mean, They look like they're 50. Yeah, I mean, and, and they, they probably were like they were 50 from just the stress, you know, that they were under with that kind of labor. So we made things easier. We found ways to feed ourselves um, very easy. We, you know, everything has gotten very easy. So we've solved those problems. But as a result of the solution, we've encountered um, other problems. And so now we have to, we're in this interesting time where the the healthiest people are going to be the ones that can create the most structure and discipline are the ones that can say no, right? So, you know, a thousand years ago, you were the healthiest if you could find food and you could find ways to make life easier. Like you were the one that was, you were winning. Now, I mean, how weird is it? It's funny, my grandfather, so I, I'm I'm the first generation American, uh, my your product of really poor immigrants. And, um, I, you know, my grandfather, is, he cracks me up. He just passed away uh, six months ago, but he he was funny because I, you know, he knew what I did and I, I helped people in gyms and I trained them and all that stuff. And he used to laugh and he goes, it's so funny to me that people pay money to go somewhere to lift heavy things and put them down because, <laughs> because I used to have to do that for work, you know, when I was nine years old and now people do that just to, and they're not even building anything, you know? Yeah. So it's because, uh, we, we've got new problems and we just have to figure out kind of a way around them. And, uh, we're starting to, we're really starting to hit the wall now. I think things are starting to become evident. You, you mentioned, um, you know, the, poor health and our lifespans, you know, it's nothing. It, the most evident space is children. Kids are, when I was a trainer, trip off this, right? When I first became a trainer in the late nineties, type two diabetes was called adult onset diabetes. That was what it was called. It was not called type two diabetes. It was type one diabetes. And then there was adult onset diabetes. They changed the name of adult onset diabetes to type two because kids started getting it. Yeah. It used to be you developed it as you as you as an adult through lifestyle. Just so just give an example of kind of you know kind of what's going on. So now my daughter has juvenile diabetes, and at the time there were juvenile diabetes and adult onset diabetes, and then I believe that change occurred. She she's had it for fifteen years now, and I believe those changes were not in cement when she first got it because she because she now today has type one diabetes. And there's type one and two, but at the time it was juvenile and adult onset, which is crazy that children are getting type two diabetes. That's it's, yeah. it's crazy. Children get, um, if you look at like, this is, this is what's crazy. If you look at the data on back pain, like back pain used to be, you got that as you got older from work or kids, back pain and neck pain are reporting, uh, like crazy strength is declining very, very rapidly. College-aged males, so they do grip strength tests with college-aged males. A college-aged male today has the grip strength of a 65-year-old in the 1980s, oh. just to give you an example of like like where it's going. So, I mean, again, I'm not trying to paint this like dark picture. It's just, uh, we, we this is what's happening. And if you, if you just do what you're supposed to, the default is poor health. So you really need to look at things and say, okay, what what are some practices I can put into place that can buffer me against uh, this default? And then, you know, there's a lot that goes into that, okay? Now, I know 
I'm in the fitness space. I'm a fanatic. So for me, it's very different than it would be for the average person. I love this or whatever. I know most people aren't so excited about working out and all that stuff. And that's, the, I mean, I did, I made it a living. So I try to look at it and I try to say, okay, what's the most effective and efficient way that we can communicate this so that the average person can, can be consistent with this and do this forever. I mean, ideally like, okay, every, every day you should exercise and you should only eat whole foods and you should never do all this stuff, but that's just not realistic. And I don't want to make perfect the enemy of, you know, something that you can do consistently and so I try to communicate it and like, here's the real strategy. And the real goal is to find a practice that you can do consistently for the rest of your life. And then, you know, I get into the, you know, to what that looks like versus, um, I think what's often communicated from fitness, which is, you know, hate yourself, beast mode, beat yourself up, you know, try this new, you know, crazy class or stop because it's toxic or like all those crazy, like extremes on both ends, you know? Yeah, I've I've fallen in, uh, I've gone down the rabbit hole of most of those extremes or or the ones that were super popular you know 5 to 15 20 years ago. Um and then as a kid I was also put on lots of those, you know, fit for life and the Beverly Hills diet and it's like you know there was one diet where it, it suggested you have a glass of white wine you know, three times a day. And and I was denied that because I was 10 and I always felt like I got gypped a little bit, you know, like <laughs> they didn't really give me the accurate version of this diet. Um, But the extremes, it, it seems like one of my fears in all of this is, uh, you know, a, a, a lack of food can kill you pretty quick. So we, yeah. so, so we solve that a lack of water can kill you even quicker and uh, lack of shelter can, can also kill you it might take a little longer than food and water but it'll kill you being obese or metabolically unhealthy takes a long time to kill you and do you think there will be any big you know cultural impetus to change this since it's somewhat being normalized now because it is becoming more and more the average i think it's going to that's a great question we're going to medicate it until we can't anymore, which is already, you know, we've already been doing right with uh, anti-anxiety, anti-depression uh, medications. They're going to come out with ways to keep you alive for longer while you're inactive, maybe offset some of the damaging effects of our diets and stuff like that. But I think at some point people will realize that because here, here's let's let's back up for a second. When I say being fit and healthy. The average person pictures a ripped, muscular, or fit-looking body, okay? That's the evidence. That's some of the evidence of fitness, but that's not really what fitness and health are, okay? In fact, you can look ripped and be quite unhealthy, okay? That's, now, it's less common, but you can also uh, be unhealthy. I think at some point, and I'm trying to do this, people will realize that there's so much more to fitness and health than just the way you look. Because look, at the at the end of the day, look, here's a fact. You're gonna get older anyway. So you're you're like no nobody's gonna look like the like a model. Well, first off, most of us can't anyway. I mean, I remember when I figured that out, I wouldn't be a pro bodybuilder when I was 17. I was, you know, devastated for about a week and then I went back to it, right? You know, that was my that's what I thought what I wanted to do. But there's so much more to it than just how you look. It's people like to ask us this question. I've I've gotten this question asked quite a few times. And maybe we'll get here at some point. But the question is, do you think it would be a good thing if we invented a pill 
that gave us all of the benefits of eating right and exercising. So in other words, you take a pill and you get all the physical benefits. So I'm fit. I look lean. I can eat whatever I want. I can sit down all day long. And um, it wouldn't be the same thing. You, you know this. Yeah. The process of of trying to better yourself, because that's really what it's all about. Now, I know people initially do it because they want to look better or maybe because they hate themselves. And we can get into that. That's not a great way to, to, to stay. But I know that motivates all of us initially, myself included. Uh, eventually, though, it will point you in the wrong direction. I know that that's what people initially want. But as you pursue this, this uh, vehicle of personal betterment, of, of, of personal growth, you get so much more than so much more value out of it than like, you know, a flat midsection or sculpted shoulders or whatever you it's a journey. It's a process. You learn from the challenge. You learn from the struggle. It's a discipline and it transforms you in those ways. So I think we need to, I think if people can discover that, then we we've got a chance, we've got a shot. If people don't really understand that, if it's never really communicated well, and we're only obsessed with what it makes us look like potentially, I don't think we'll ever get there. I think the the we'll, we'll maybe eventually find that solution with modern medicine, maybe not, but I don't think we're ever going to get there, right? So like to put it differently, if people enjoy the process, then we've solved the problem. Yeah. If people just want the 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 result, we're not going to get anywhere. So um finding, it's up to us. Yeah, right? finding that lane of something that works for you that you can live with and enjoy that's super hard like yeah. that for me ha had was the hard because initially i wanted to lose weight because i i liked this girl and there were things she wanted to do she wanted to go on hikes i would always beg off the hike she wanted to go to a museum i would beg off the, and i realized like oh me in this state it's not going to make it with this girl. It's not going to last because there's a shitload of stuff she wants to do that. I'm just not doing because I'm because I can't physically do it. I can't physically make it up the hill. Great. So that was one step of motivation. Years and years later, I fell into this. I have to have abs motivation and everything like my life revolved around getting lean enough to have visible abs. And I'll tell you what, man. Even with abs in any version of light, right? Not overhead lighting, like you're just walking by a mirror with light blasting you from the front and you see abs. I'm not super thrilled. It's not doing what I want it to do for me. And maintaining that is absolutely impossible. Yeah. So that version of it. And now I have abs. If I have overhead lighting, first thing in the morning under the perfect circumstances. And I lean back a little bit and flex. Like I go, okay, there are my abs. And then I can't see them for the rest of the day. And it's like, all right, but I'm also like, have a plan that's keeping me where I'm at. I'm feeling better every day. I think there's really something valuable to setting out a task that's hard and, and making your way through that despite physical and mental shit that comes up to get in your way beating that every day which i do in the gym that's the that's the best i feel the whole day dude you hit the nail so hard on the head with that i could tell you're somebody who's been doing this for a long time because you end up figuring that out you know i remember when i first became a father okay my i had to change my idea of fun 
right? Like you go out, like you go on vacation without kids, you go on vacation with kids, very different. Now, if I keep in my, my head, like if I think fun is doing what I want, drinking with my wife, staying up late, I'm going to hate it. But if I realize that, well, fun can mean a lot of different things. Like, well, yeah, it takes way more planning. I got to bring this stuff to the baby. got to do this, with, put the baby down. But then I'm like present with them. I'm watching them. I'm connecting with them. It's different. It's no less fun. It's just different. And I enjoy it, right? So you, why am I saying this? You mentioned enjoy, find a way to enjoy this. Someone who, who's, who doesn't exercise regularly or has never figured that out, they think you see, you're crazy. What do you mean? Enjoy, like it hurts. Like the workout hurts, you struggle, you sweat. Like what are you talking about? Or eating healthy, that's not fun. It's way more fun to eat a pizza. It's different, but it can also be enjoyable. You just have to open yourself up and understand the, the true value, the total value of what's going on. So is a workout as, let's say, hedonistically pleasurable as sitting on the couch and watching a movie or smoking a joint? No, it's, it's not. It's not going to compare to that at all. But it's a different kind of fun. It's different, right? You mentioned it's a struggle. It's the accomplishment. It's the discipline. And then here's what happens. And this is what I love so much about, uh, about consistent exercise is you start to develop without realizing it because it is a microcosm of life. Okay. It really is. I'm, I'm going to sound now like, uh, like those fitness bros who, you know, call the squat rack, the, the, the altar, right? <laughs> <laughs> you develop a different relationship with pain. Like, you know, a, a beginner, I remember as a trainer, this tri tripped me out when I first became a trainer, I'd get like these new clients that never worked out before. And they would do an exercise like a tricep press down. And I remember the, I remember one time in particular, this, this woman dropped, she like let go of the rope and the weight, you know, slammed down. And I'm like, what happened? What's the matter? She's like, uh, I, I, that hurts. I think it hurt myself. And so then like I asked her some questions. I'm like, oh, what happened? And I realized it was just her triceps burning, but she never really felt that before. Right. And then I thought about it, like the advanced person, or should I say the experienced person feels as much or more pain in the gym than the beginner. The difference is they have a different relationship yeah, with that. They want it. They're looking for it. They're looking for it. It feels different. You have built because what happens to us in the world is what happens to us. The filter through which we see it and perceive it, the relationship we have with it can change it fundamentally. So when you, when you work out and you, you know, you're trying to eat right and do all these things and you start to develop a different relationship to enjoyment or you're enjoying them for different reasons, you will literally enjoy them. It, it's not, it, you, it's not like I'm just making up a, using the word enjoyment for something else. You will develop that relationship. Boy, does it carry over into everything else. I used to love one of my favorite two, my two categories of clients that were my favorite to train were kids and uh, people in advanced age. I love the two extremes for different reasons. I loved advanced age because they always taught me so much. They were so wise. The benefits they got from the exercise were so profound. Like I can go up the stairs alone and, you know, I'm independent now. Like that was always very emotional for me to hear somebody say that. Now, kids, why, why did I love training kids so much? Well, first of all, they're hard to train. They're all over the place. It's hard to keep their focus. You got to entertain them, all that stuff. But what I loved about training kids was because children is like so, they're so moldable. They don't have like these set like, beliefs like like adults do necessarily i would see the the stuff that they would get in the gym permeate into everything else of their life i remember the first one of the first kids i trained was this uh this 14 year old kid and i remember he came in with his parents and he was super shy 
and you know he didn't want to make eye contact and eventually we you know we got to talking and he wanted to work out because he was embarrassed to go swimming with his friends would wear a t-shirt and all that stuff and uh so you know his parents hired me to train him and i remember we i, w- I would track workouts and stuff and i remember you know he came in one day and he did some push-ups we did some push-ups and i showed him and i said last week i don't remember what the number was but i'll just say you know last week he did five push-ups you just did seven push-ups. He's like, oh, that's that's cool. And I said, no, no, no. I said, do you know what that means? And he goes, I'm stronger. I said, yeah, but do you know what that really means? And he goes, no. I said, you're not the same person this week that you were last week. You're fundamentally different. The person you were last week could only do five. The person you are this week could do seven. You're literally a different person. And I saw this look in his face, in his eyes, where he was, it's like, Oh my gosh, like this is incredible. Anyway, I trained this guy for about a year and uh, the changes in him were profound in in his uh, confidence uh, in school. He ended up becoming a trainer later on. That's how big of an impact it had on him. But that's, you know, that's, that's what it can do for you if you pursue it the right way. So people always ask, well, what's the right way? What's the right way to pursue it? Well, any, any new pursuit, you have to start where you're at. And, and this is where we really screw up. And I say we is us in the in the fitness space. We we communicate to each other all the time. It's an echo chamber of fitness fanatics. If you're doing nothing now for exercise consistently, so don't think, oh yeah, I worked out a couple times, you know, last month. No, no, no. I mean, like consistently. If you do nothing now, all you got to do is a little more than you're doing now. So just ask yourself, what's something I can do that I think I can maintain forever? That's Somewhat challenging because it needs to, otherwise it doesn't mean anything, but also realistic forever. That's your starting point. That's it. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's a five minute walk. It it, it doesn't matter what it is. Start there. And then when you do that, whatever that is, and you start to feel like it's a habit or this is what I do and I kind of value it and I don't think I'll stop it. Then you just ask yourself that question again. And what you'll find is each time you do that, the steps tend to get bigger and the gaps in between those steps get smaller and the progress looks like a hockey stick. You start, you start, it starts off slow, but then things start to accelerate. And then before you know it, you've developed this lifelong relationship, this pursuit. You're on this journey. That's the only way really to do it aside from the epiphany, but epiphanies are so rare. I, I don't think anybody should depend on those. No, I think it's impossible to depend on those. You know, like I, I think about it like, um, I brush my teeth every day. I cannot remember when this began, but I don't imagine (laughs) that the day my mom said, now you brush your teeth, that it was just like, okay. And I never thought about, you know, I I just, it was a habit from day one. But today, if something crazy happens and, and I can't even think of one instance of this happening and I didn't brush my teeth. I just know I would feel like crap all day. And so I brush my teeth because my mouth tastes kind of like shit in the morning or it's got some, you know, excess saliva that dried and re-liquefied over the night. You know, there's I want to feel fresh. And one of the things I do is brush my teeth. That's kind of my relationship with the gym now. I I will say to your point about soreness. When when I'm in my routine and it's unbroken for a while, I don't get sore. And yeah. and then I stuff disrupts it and I wind up in another state or another country for a period of time and working out becomes more difficult. My r- routine goes to shit 
and I come back to my routine and I do, I start working out the way I had been, I'm always sore that week. And I love it. I miss that soreness. And I, when I get sore and, you know, it's hard to put, like raise my arms to put my t-shirt on in the morning. And I feel that tension. It excites me. It makes me happy. It reminds me that I've done something. Um, the soreness to me, the first time I ever got so sore, it was tough to put a t-shirt in. I almost gave up. It was almost like, uh, I, I'm never doing this again. This is awful. And now it's something that when it comes, I, I really look forward to because it, it is like it is habitual now, truly. Yeah. You OK, so I'm glad you, you brought that up. Um, so you have it's evidence that you did something for you. It's evidence that, OK, I, I, I'm back on track type of deal. But I want to communicate this to to people listening right now who haven't been able to to, to do this on a consistent basis. Soreness doesn't mean you had a good workout. It can sometimes mean you did too much, but it doesn't mean you had a good workout. Now, why am I saying that? Because oftentimes when people get started, they start because they hate themselves so much and it's a cathartic feeling to punish yourself. And then what right. they'll do is seek out the soreness and they'll train themselves in inappropriate ways, right? If you, if you train yourself with too much intensity, too much volume, too much frequency, your body cannot improve. It can only try to heal. And you can definitely go downhill uh, like that. And you see this quite often with people when they first get that, that negative motivation. Oh my God, I saw a picture of myself, whatever. I'm going to go to the gym, beat myself up uh, type of deal. So I, I, I want to I say that. But no, the other that's side super of valuable. Self-flagellation, I, I, my ex entire experience with CrossFit was like, let's take this body as close to death as we can every day. And then I broke. I, I wound up having surgery and it's like, it, you can't do that. I couldn't do that forever. No. And, and, uh, that's a journey. A lot of us go on who start fitness from that place. I was a skinny kid, you know, growing up. So I had that insecurity and, um, you know, I, I, I tiptoe that line all the time, even now, but it's, it's, it's awareness. I have to kind of be aware of, you know, the type of intensity that I apply, but I communicate this to people because it's one of the big mistakes that people make when they first start is they think that, in order for their in order for their bodies to progress they have to really kill themselves to do so and otherwise it's a waste of time that they they just have to it just has to be absolutely unbearably painful and terrible otherwise um nothing will happen that's not true that's not how the body adapts now i will say that sometimes there's value mental value in pushing yourself uh that that hard um, so I don't think there's no value in it. I think it is, there is some value in learning how to push yourself, how to withstand, um, you know, struggle and challenge in that way, especially nowadays when we don't really ever get challenged in that way. Uh, but for, for, for argument's sake, or for the sake of communicating this on a, on a long-term consistent basis, when you exercise, what you're doing is you're sending a signal to your body to adapt. It's a stress signal. And what your body does is it heals and then it adapts. It heals from the damage that the stress caused, which is what exercise is. It's a stress on the body. And then it adapts by becoming stronger or more fit so that next time the same stress no longer causes uh, the same damage. No, no different than my skin darkening in response to the sun, okay? Same, or my skin getting calloused from handling rough objects. Now, what is the right dose? Well, there's a lot of factors that determine what the right dose is for, for somebody. 
But one of the biggest factors is your current level of fitness. Like what determines how much sun gets my skin darker? There's lots of factors. But one of the factors is, have I been out in the sun recently? Like if I lived in my mom's basement for the last four years, it's not going to take much sun exposure to get my skin to start to darken. And if I go beyond that, I'll just get a sunburn. And that doesn't get me there any faster. It just causes too much damage. So I say that to people so they can more accurately find the right and appropriate dose. Now, why is that so important? Because people's experience with fitness, oftentimes when they do try to do it, is that they did too much. And they don't know that they did too much. They just know that it felt so terrible, that they felt tired, that they just were burnt out. I was too sore. I hurt my back. I can't do that. I can't sustain that. That's not, that's not for me. I don't like it. I hate it. Well, yeah, of course you hate it. You're, you're just constantly damaging your body. You're going to hate it. So a rule of thumb for, for the most part, because like I said, there is value in the occasional push yourself to the limit. Okay. But for the most part, the way you should feel at the end of your workout is you should feel more energy than you did going into it. Yeah. You should end your workout and be in a better mood and have more energy. You should not feel like you survive. Like a lot of people think like your workout should end and then you feel like, oh my God, oh, I made it, you know, now I'm going to go lay on the couch and just, ooh, that was tough until tomorrow's war or whatever. No, for the most part, because remember, you're going to be doing this for the rest of your life. 90, you know, 8% of the time, you should feel better. You should feel more energized. You should feel better mood. You should have more energy, better mobility, less pain. Like you sh it should feel like you took a feel good pill and it just hit you. And now you're done with your workout. And I'm like, wow, that was amazing. That's the feeling you should have. If you're not having that feeling, then, then you're, you're doing something wrong in your workout. And usually, not always, but usually it means you probably did too much. And again, I want to hammer this home. People oftentimes are like, I only did 20 minutes. What do you mean I did too much? Look, you would be surprised how easy it is for someone to do too much when they haven't done anything yeah. for a long time. You would be, people are often shocked by, by exactly that. Like I would get, especially, you know, deconditioned older, older clients. And we would do, I'd have them sit down and stand up five times off of a bench. And then the rest of the session was like isometrics. Yeah. And that was it. And, and that was right. That was the right dose. You know, had I do, had I, and you, and I couldn't even, you wouldn't even be able to tell during the workout. They'd be like, well, I think I could do more. And I learned through terrible trial and error that, um, you know, we would often do too much, you know, beyond that. So it's just, just, a, just enough to set the gears in motion. And then what happens over time is your body begins to adapt. And then what is required to get your body to adapt further is more intensity, more volume and stuff like that. And yes, of course, you start to hit this kind of like, if you're really consistent, you're a fanatic and you've been doing this a long time, you start to get to this kind of like, um, you know, is it worth, you know, is the juice worth the squeeze at this point? Like, okay, I can add 10 more pounds to my squat but I'm already squatting 500 pounds. Like, is that going to get me any more benefit? Or at this point, is it just that, you know, I just want to be able to lift 10 more pounds on the bar, but that's a long road. There's a long road to get, and, I, and you understand this. You've been doing this for a long time. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Like to get you to even go even further, I'm sure you've already determined like, eh, it's probably not worth it to do that all the time. Cause I'll probably hurt myself type of deal. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I, I just, I, I, for me at this point, I don't even care if it gets heavier, I would rather do a couple more reps or another set than put more weight on the bar. I've got like, I know what I'm comfortable with and I know I can, and I know it hasn't hurt me in the past five years. I have, I've been able to do this for five years now. 
And so my routine is pretty fixed. The volume changes with, with sets and reps for me. Yeah. I, I'm totally disinterested in, you know, squatting 500 pounds, to be honest. What you probably, what you probably figured out is that your fitness changes. What I mean by your fitness is your routine. Your routine changes depending on the context of your life. Yeah. So you probably add volume and train a little harder when sleep is good, diet's good, you're not traveling all over the place, your stress is doing pretty well. When your lack of sleep, travel, diet's been a little off, then you kind of lower the volume. So it matches. Essentially, what you've probably figured out is I can use my routine to improve the quality of my life, regardless of the context. Yeah, and, and, and that's a great place to be. And to what you said, there is certainly a point where I had been in the past willing to cross where I where I would have to go home and lay on the couch. And I am completely unwilling to to do that anymore. Like they're just I, I don't know what I'm really getting from that, if if that makes sense. I would rather leave the gym feeling more energy than feeling like I've just blown my whole day at the gym. Yeah. You know what it's cool, you know what's cool about this? This uh I love talking to, to people like you who've who've been doing this for a while. Is uh it's like um if if you've ever done martial arts, it's like you'll you'll talk to like the the black belt who's been doing this for like 25 years. And they have such a calm, just like monk-like demeanor about the the art and the practice, and the. And then you meet the you know the guy that's done it for five years, and he's ah, you know, I'm I'm, a, I'm an aggressive machine, and I'm gonna. It really is like that. As you follow this practice, as you do this, it gets better. It gets better. You um, you're 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 better with how you use it. It improves your life in better in different ways. You start to find that it it changes things in positive ways that you never really thought that it would impact, um, you know, it becomes, it used to be about how I looked. Then it became about how I felt. Then it became about my mental health and how much better of a father I feel like I am when I can do this and better husband, who knows what it's going to look like, you know, uh, moving forward. But, uh, it's, you know, it's pretty cool. Um, and, and I, I, not enough people communicate it this way to the average person. And so what the average person equates uh, to exercise and diet is like, look ripped, look sexy, look hot. That's it. Yeah. Way, way more than that. Way, in fact, if you do this the right way, the side effect will be look hot, sexy and all that stuff. Right. That's not the primary effect. That's the side effect. Yeah. The perspective shift that I needed to go through that, that took the longest time really was that I perceived myself to be what I was 20 years ago, which was, you know, 550 pounds. And, and what would happen is I'd hear about a diet that had a trick or a program that had a trick. And my perception was how I am is uh, a, a truthful, honest state. And in order to change it, I need a trick. There, there must be some gadget because otherwise there's no fixing me. I am broken and this is me. And in order to solve me, there has to be some cheat code, right? And so I fell into this loop. The, the other part of it was, though, was the urgency with yeah. which I felt I needed to change. I needed to change. Like, I, I've said this before, but like if I woke up tomorrow 500 pounds, the panic that would set in would be like, holy shit, I need to get this off as fast as possible. And now I remember waking up many times feeling that. And so 
I would grasp for whatever guaranteed me the fastest, easiest, but also like you never thought of this because, you know, whatever supplement um, that is missing in your diet, you put that in and it balances everything and then you're just normal and you lose the weight because your body is missing something or it's a carbohydrate that's making you this way or whatever it was because I've tried all these things. Um, so so it's a two-part thing where I, I, I empathize with people like, yeah, you want to change and you want it to be immediate. I completely get that. I mean, we're, we're, we don't even have to wait really for movies. The, the movie's out in the theater today, but it's also out in my bedroom today. So like I, we get everything you, you want a pizza. It's going to come to your house in 20 minutes, not even Domino's like the place that doesn't deliver Uber is going to pick it up and bring it to you. You, you know, like stuff is really immediate now and there's all kinds of you know bullshit stuff out there but then also stuff where like you could probably take a shot and just lose weight you don't have to change anything now we've got drugs that that are showing people that so i think it becomes difficult to get into this mind frame of like long slow change it's it's working for me and it's worked for people I I know and talk to and everybody seems a lot happier, but it's a hard sell. It is. Um, all right. So just one comment on that is that uh, any fundamental change in your behavior takes a long time. It, I don't care what it is. If you have a behavior, let's say you get defensive when somebody says something about your behavior, your actions or you can be insecure in in a room full of people or whatever, okay? And I'm saying stuff that's not related to fitness so I can, some people can connect with what I'm saying. They're hard to change because they are your behaviors. So there is no trick in the sense that whatever, whatever you do, unless it fundamentally changes your behaviors, it's not going to work forever. Just, just the way it is, uh, just a fact. Now, I, I, let's talk about obesity for a second because I have, I mean, I've done this for a long time. I've worked with people um, for a long time. Obesity is the most common. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
or wanting to lose weight, I should say, is the most common goal. I have a lot of empathy because it's a very visible, I guess, it's a very visible physical reflection of somebody's, let's say, potential shortfalls. So, you know, you can be a, a functioning alcoholic or have a gambling problem or, you know, be a shitty partner. And people will look at you and they might not notice. They might not notice. But if you're really, really overweight, whether people judge you or not, or have this perception of you or not, you are very aware of the fact that people can see something. And that makes it really hard. Yeah. That makes it like, I want this gone tomorrow. And, and now, now, why, why, why does it go from not thinking about it to that? Like any challenge that we have, oftentimes the way we deal with it is we ignore it. And then when it becomes so obvious to us that it's so painful, it's like, I want it gone. I want this, this reminder, like out of here. So whatever does it the fastest, I don't care if it's permanent. I don't care if it's not permanent. I don't care if it takes me, if it's going to come back, I'll figure that out afterwards. Just get it off me. Just, just, so I have a ton of empathy, um, for, for people in that situation. But the bottom line is if, if you want, you want to do this and you don't want it ever to be a problem again, you have to change some things in fundamental ways. And that never happens overnight. It just doesn't. We just don't work that way. It's a, it's a process. It's a journey. Now I'll say this to kind of paint the picture a little bit. If we all treated ourselves, this, by the way, is not just confined to health and fitness in terms of diet and exercise. This is like, this is much bigger. But if we really truly treated ourselves like people we really cared about, this wouldn't be a problem. It, it just wouldn't. So what's happening? We're not treating ourselves very well. It's not that we're enjoying life. People think, oh, no, I just enjoy life. No, 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 no. That's not really what's happening. because a fit, healthy version of you would enjoy life far more than an unfit, unhealthy version of you. It's just a fact, okay? You're not just enjoying life. You're treating yourself like somebody you don't care about. Now, I know sometimes when I say that, people are like, well, we, you know, what do you mean by that? I got to have this warm, fuzzy feeling about myself? No. no, 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 that's not how it works. If you've been married for longer than a day or you have kids, you know, you're not going to always have warm, fuzzy feelings for the people you care the most about. I got kids, right? I have Four kids. I have two teenagers, a toddler, and an infant. And uh, I don't like them every day. <laughs> it just doesn't work. Sometimes I'm like, man, I don't like this kid, you know, but I always care about them, right? Like the people I care most about. So we just don't treat we just don't treat ourselves very well. So you got to start from that standpoint and be honest with yourself. Okay, I haven't been, I really haven't been treating myself like someone I care about. What does it look like if I treat myself like someone I care about? What would that look like? right now as I walk into this gym. Well, it's not going to, it's probably not going to be working out until I throw up, even though I feel like I want to do that because I'm, you know, it's, I want to, I want to hate myself. I, I should probably work out a little different. It's not, I'm going to eat pizza every night by myself. It's, I'm probably going to feed myself, uh, in a way that cares for me. By the way, sometimes that is pizza. Like sometimes I'm hanging out with my friends and we're hanging out, we're having a good time and caring for me is eating pizza. So this is where balance comes into play. This is where people have a challenge because then they think, well, what about balance? Balance is baked into what I'm talking about. Balance is 
sometimes you do things because of the hedonistic pleasure or the the fact that I'm not moving. Like that's good for me too sometimes. Most of the time not, but oftentimes it is. So if you approach it from that standpoint and you start caring for yourself like somebody you care about and you you go from that standpoint, then what will happen is you'll be able to take the right steps towards creating these these behaviors that will support that. And then they'll become your fundamental uh, way of being. Now, people always ask me the, the, you know, the small points, right? Well, what about carbs? What about sugar? What about fats? What should I eat? What should I not eat? Or it's actually less complicated than you think. It really is. I know a lot of people come out and they, they try to sell the next book and they point to this one specific enemy and what the deal is. And um, really, it's a lot less complicated. It's it's really not super, super complicated. It really looks like this. I should probably stay away from foods where that a lot of people have spent a lot of money in engineering on to make them irresistible because that's going to make this really hard. Okay. It's like if I'm eating foods that have been engineered specifically to make me overeat, this is going to be really hard for me to do because when I take a bite of it, like they've spent billions of dollars and decades into figuring out how to get me to eat one more bite or 10 more bites or whatever. So while I'm on this journey, I should probably stay away from those things because this is a tough thing for me to figure out. So let me avoid those foods. That's pretty much the best place to start. In fact, the average person who wanted to lose, let's say, 100 pounds would probably lose 50 pounds just from that, just from that alone, not even worrying about cutting calories or anything else, just that alone. Okay. What about exercise? Let me find ways of moving more during my day. Uh, and let's start there. Let's just start there. What does that look like? All right. Um, I'll give you some examples. I'll walk for 10 minutes after breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's it. That right there, huge, huge difference for most people. Here's some other ones. I used to hear this when I was a trainer. When I first became a trainer, I thought they were so stupid until I started to really calculate and figure things out and train people. And then I realized, oh my God, I was such an asshole. Like I, like I told people that was a waste of time and it was one of the greatest things ever. It literally could be, um, instead of using the bathroom on the first floor that I work in, I'm going to only use the bathroom on the third floor, like automatic instant extra activity. I'm not even scheduling a workout. I'm not trying to work. I'm just doing a little extra, whatever park at the end of the parking lot. Like these silly things that we think are not impactful for health. They make a big impact. Okay. Well, what about structured exercise? What should I do? Let me let me do the let me let me pick a form of exercise that just has the most bang for its buck. People think that means the hardest. People think that means burns the most calories while I do it. That's not true. Um, the calories you burn while you work out are almost inconsequential. The intensity only matters if it produces an adaptation that's favorable. Uh, meaning, what form of exercise is going to get my body to change in a way that's going to bolster me in the in the most impactful way. And that also takes the least amount of time in relationship. Strength training does that. Nothing does that like strength training. Like you could take the average person, have them lift weights for 35 minutes twice a week. So they're not going to become bodybuilders, obviously, but they'll, they'll definitely build some muscle and strength. But what you'll get from that is a faster metabolism, better hormone profile, better insulin sensitivity. And you're looking at 30, 35 to 40 minutes twice a week. It's not a huge commitment. It's a great place to start. Like that's it. Those three things that I just said right there, that right there would take people most of the way there. Yeah. Realistically. And then if they do it and they're consistent and they love it, now have fun. 
how yeah. you can have fun and, and really, really, and, you know, figure out what this looks like for you. Where, where would you say, like, y- you called it balance. I think of uh, the word that I use is moderation, but like, wh- where would you put that? Because I, I will tell you, honestly, for me in the beginning, you know, like when I read Tim Ferriss's book and it was like, Sunday is a cheat day. Yeah. I, I I ruined the whole week and I would work my ass off all week and I would ruin the whole week every Sunday because a cheat day for me is not the same as a cheat day for Tim Ferriss. Sorry, yeah. Tim. So now today I just got back. I was in Italy for a couple of weeks and I ate whatever I wanted the whole time. I walked a hell of a lot more than I do here. So I was constantly moving, but I also never went to the gym, not once for two weeks. And I ate whatever I wanted and I'm back. And everything's fine. And I'm back on my program. And there was no hiccup where, like, I woke up Monday after getting back and thought, I'm going to lay in bed and watch Netflix and order Postmates. That didn't happen. That would have happened 10 years ago. 10 years yeah. ago, had I had that trip to Italy, I it, getting back to America would have been a disaster because I would have kept the, the pasta party going. <laughs> and so, but it took me a long time to feel comfortable doing that. And, and like you talked about behavior, my behavior with food is very different. I was not eating like my off switch was eating to the point where I was sick in my former life. That doesn't happen that I never allow that behavior to happen. I'm not eating compulsively, but I'm not withholding things like pasta. I'll have pasta. I'll usually try and share it with somebody because I don't want to overeat. Um, and I'll make sure I get protein. Like those kind of things are, are still in my mind, but I'm generally not eating much pasta in my day-to-day life at home. Not that it's off limits. It's just not, I prefer rice if I'm having a carb or a potato. That's my, my preference here because pasta without oil is really fucking boring, but you can get away with rice without oil. I, that's just me. So at what point do you suggest people try to mess around with balance? Yeah. You know, man, you, I, you know what you're saying? I don't know if you realize just how much you're, you're, it's like warming me up, um, and giving me the chills, uh, because you're illustrating exactly the journey that people will discover if they do this for the right reasons. And you said a few things there that I don't know if people hearing realize just how powerful they are. You mentioned how your off switch before was you ate until you were sick. Yeah. You weren't eating for enjoyment. This is where people get confused they're like oh i'm gonna go have a cheat day i'm gonna eat what i like they like they heard you say you were in italy and you ate whatever you wanted right what you wanted was to actually enjoy the food not to make yourself sick now people are like well, what do you mean make yourself because that happens to me like what's going on here but i'll i'll communicate it in a way that i think can be effective for some people so let's let's tell a story okay you got a guy he sees a picture of himself on facebook that a friend took and he's like, Oh my God, I look terrible. I'm fat. I got to go to the gym. I'm disgusting. I can't believe it. How have I let myself get to this place? I'm going to go, I'm going to go to the gym tomorrow. I'm going to beat myself up and uh, that's it. Diet. I'm going a crazy diet. Goes in his fridge, goes in his pantry, throws out all the garbage and just buys, uh, you know, vegetables, fruit, whatever, whatever he thinks is healthy. And he does this for a while, beats himself up, restricts himself. Goes out to lunch with his friends. His friends say, hey, have a piece of bread. No, I can't. No, 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 I can't. I'm on a diet. Hey, have a cookie. No, I can't. He wants that pizza at night or that burrito for lunch. No, no, no I can't. I can't. I can't. Okay. What happen- what's happening there is he has created a 
a, a dictator within himself. And the dictator or the parent is saying, you're fat, you're lazy, you can't. And he's also identifying with this kid, this scared kid or this tyrannized person who's like, you're right, you're right. Uh, I, 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 sh I can't, I shouldn't, I'm terrible. I need you to tyrannize me. And then eventually here's what happens to John. At some point he goes, screw this. I I'm going to enjoy myself. And then he doesn't eat one cookie. He eats three boxes of cookies. He doesn't go out. He doesn't stop exercising for a day or two. He doesn't go to the gym for months and months and months. That's a rebellion. He has rebelled against himself. He has rebelled against the tyranny of himself. So that's what happens oftentimes. So a cheat day for someone who's in this state is not just a, you know, go off the diet day. It's a rebellion from the six days that I just had during this week where I was constantly tyrannizing myself and saying, you can't. Now, the place that you're in now, you don't say, I can't. You say, yes, or no, thank you. I don't want. There's a big difference between I can't and I don't want. Yeah. And, and if you get to that place, then you have yourself a lifestyle, a sustainable, this is like just how you live. It's not your diet. This is just how you live. You're caring for yourself. Whereas before you were not, it was all about hate. It was all about self-hate. I'm the fat guy. I'm the, or I'm the, uh, the skinny guy, or I'm the unattractive woman, or I'm the whatever, you know, negative thing and beat myself, beat myself, beat myself until I can't handle it. Who the hell wants to hate themselves all the time? Eventually you want to escape that. And what that looks like is the opposite of what you've been doing. So it's not just one, you know, meal. It's until you're sick, until you can't breathe, until, in fact, if you've ever become aware during a binge where you're eating, what you'll notice is that you're not even focusing on the food that's in your mouth. It's about yeah. the one that's in your hand. Yeah. You're not even enjoying it. Whereas I bet you when you're in Italy right now, I bet you when you're enjoying the food, you're probably savoring it. You're yeah. probably eating it. Mm, this tastes so you read somebody you versus the like I like it's not even about savoring it, it's just about rebelling, right? Yeah. So very, very different. I remember the first time that that occurred to me. I was at a um a business dinner with my ex-wife and her colleagues, and one of them told me that, you know, once they asked, you know, because they go around the table and the spouses are like, What do you do for a living or whatever? And I'm like, Oh, I'm a trainer. And of course, immediately everyone's real, you know, self-conscious about what they're eating and stuff, but <laughs> Soon, soon they were put at ease and we're drinking and this woman looks at me and she goes, you know, I had a friend who was 45 and she was super fanatical about exercise and diet. And then she got breast cancer and she died. And then after that happened, I said to myself, I'm just going to enjoy life. I, I'm not going to do any of that stuff. I'm just going to enjoy life. And I told, I looked at her and you know, I felt bad for her experience. And I said, you know, um, well, you know, I could get hit by a car tomorrow. I don't know how long I'm going to live, but I know I live better when I do those things. Um, and then I left it at that. And I remember I went home and for the first time, cause I'd heard that many times. I've heard many times people say, you know, Oh, I stopped working out or I stopped the diet. Cause I want to enjoy my life. And I, and this, but for the first time ever, I thought it, it actually struck me strange because I'd heard it so many times, but that time I heard it and I thought, what, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. Like I know for a fact that everything is more enjoyable when you're healthy, Yeah, everything eating, you know, Cookies and cake is better when you're fit and healthy. Uh, sex is better when you're fit and healthy. Waking up in the morning, sleeping, time with your kids, time with your spouse, being stuck in traffic. Like, I don't care what it is. 
if you're fit and healthy, it's just, it's just life is better. It's more enjoyable. And yet here she is telling me, I just want to enjoy my life. And I thought about this for a long time. I remember it was a, it was like a, it was like a month there where I just, it really struck me as odd. And I thought about this. I thought, how can I communicate this? How can I really, first I had to understand it. And then I had to be able to communicate it because I heard this so many times. And the conclusion I came to was people are hating themselves throughout the whole process. They are not eating because they're caring for themselves when they're on a diet. They're being tyrannized by themselves. They're not working out to try to feel better. They're beating the shit out of themselves because they deserve to feel pain for their whatever, laziness or whatever you want to call it. Of course, it's more enjoyable to stop. Nobody wants to hate themselves for too long. It feels way better when you stop. So that's what it was. And, and when you get past that point, it is so different. And you, yeah. what you just said, man, you like 100%. There's a weird way I think we can use language, even with the way we communicate concepts to ourselves, because I'm a sober guy also, and there is a version of me, and I could use the language that I'm going to enjoy my life with drugs and alcohol. Like, I, this has been too hard. I just want to enjoy myself. And it's really suicide. It is, for, for me, it is a very fast route to death and miserable. Like the amount of time when I was using drugs that I was actually enjoying the drugs was very, very small compared to the amount of times, the amount of time that I spent uncomfortable and compulsively seeking out the drugs. And that's not really fun, that part of it. So like, yeah, I, no, I, I just, had, no, go for it. We had um, uh, Arthur Brooks, a good friend of mine. He's a, he's a happiness expert. Um, he's a Harvard professor. And uh, I asked him about that because I know that food, like food is the most abused, I don't know, drug, I guess you could say in Western world. Right. Um, and then you mentioned drugs and alcohol and, uh, by the way, exercise could be a drug. People could abuse it as well. I see that all the time in, in the fitness influencer space. And, and I asked him about that specifically. And he said, people would rather be high than happy. Yeah. I said, wow, that's, that's huge. By the way, I want to I want everybody to be uh, to understand I'm not preaching uh from a tower where, you know, listen, I struggle with this myself. This is the human condition. We don't like to be present or uncomfortable. We try to find ways to distract ourselves and not be comfortable. And the most common way that we tend to do it is with food. That's just the most common way that we do it. And exercise, although you could morph it into a drug, you definitely could. Initially, it's a, it will make you present because it's hard. Like you're in it. Oh shit. I feel it. Like I don't want to feel anything right now. I want to be out of here. So it, it can be really challenging. Now you could also use it to numb yourself. And I've been there uh, as a, as a fitness fanatic. So it, it could also, I mean, you know, like I said, abuse, you can abuse anything, but I mean, th this is, this is exactly how it needs to be communicated. So people can understand the right way to approach it have the right compassion for themselves and to understand the journey that they're embarking on. And it is not some impossible journey. It's impossible if you, if you, if you do it the wrong way and if you have the wrong expectations, it's very possible if you understand what you're about to embark on, if it's coming from a place of self-care, then it becomes a journey of learning and you will, as you move along, figure it out and things will continue to improve. Just a fact. Things will continue to improve. I, you know, this does remind me to communicate the following as well, that much of the information that is uh, sold from the fitness space and the health space 
is not coming from people that understand this. It's coming from people who've done a really good job at making themselves look good through abusing their bodies, through, you know, abusing themselves with diet and exercise and, and God knows what. They, so they communicate out to the world what they think is the right message, which usually sounds like beast mode, kill yourself. Um, it's uh, food is fuel, you know, where you just like, what is, is this person a robot? Like, I don't understand, you know, kind of what's going on. Or they, they talk to you as if they don't understand at all. You know, I, I remember when I first became a trainer, I would get like the, like the working mom, right. That would come in and she'd say, I'd, I'd say, well, how many days a week do you think, you know, you could exercise consistently? And she'd say something like, oh, I think I can make it like once a week. And I mean, just, I feel, I, I want to apologize by the way, anybody watching who, who was put in front of me in those early days, I was an idiot. I had no idea, but I would do this whole speech, right? Like, oh, you got to make time for yourself. And if you, if the more time you spend on yourself, the better mom you'll be and blah, 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 blah. And I'm, I, I'm sure I know that that lady sitting across from me was looking at this 18 year old kid and thinking, you have no idea what you're talking about. Like, and, and now I definitely don't want to start because now you're telling me it's a waste of my time. Yeah. Much later, I figured out the following. Someone said they only had one day a week. That's great. That's where we're going to start. And then you know what would happen almost every time? is if I could do a good job with that once a week, they'd start to enjoy it in the ways that we're talking. They start to feel they themselves would start to find more time. But even if they didn't, even if they didn't, it was so much better than what they did before. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, I want to say that because, uh, the information you can get from fitness influencers and social media and all that stuff is so bad. Oftentimes it's so terrible. Oftentimes, if it doesn't come through the filter of what I'm saying right now, if it sounds like uh, I have the solution, do this, fix it overnight, beat yourself up, you know, all that stuff, then then just turn it off. Uh, they're they're not they're not communicating the right way. I love just your kind of foundational filter of that it should all just be done out of caring. You know, if if, if that is the starting point for all of this, because. You know, I think that even if you're being really honest with yourself, I've experienced the manic, I need it right now. That's not, that's not caring. That's, that's something else. That's anxiety. You know what I mean? Like, I think when you're talking about all of it, for me, you hit the nail on the head with a, a discomfort with the present. It's all drugs, alcohol, food. It's all a compulsion that eases my sense of well-being which is being attacked by something i'm not even aware of like we can't i can't even figure out what my distaste for just being in the moment is but i have it i don't want to be in the moment so food alleviates that crack cocaine alleviates that alcohol alleviates that but all of that comes with like you said earlier um sitting on the couch, watching a show, smoking a joint, eating a pizza is fun. Yeah. But it's not fun when you wake up. It's not fun when you stand up off the couch. So it's fun for a moment. I'll tell you what, when I go to the gym, I'm enjoying my time at the gym and I'm enjoying that. I went to the gym for the rest of the day. And then the next day, what gets me back there if I wake up and don't want to get out of bed is remembering how much I enjoyed my time at the gym and how good the rest of my day is was because of it. 
So, so they're incomparable in that sense. I'm in the moment at the gym. I'm dealing with the discomfort at the gym and I'm feeling better because yeah. of it. I, I can relate to hundred percent what you're saying. I think if people were honest, uh, they would all relate. I think that's a human condition. Um, I think all of us have trouble, um, being in the present because it's uncomfortable being in our own skin. Um, and we're, uh, we, we haven't learned to develop or build relationships around some of that discomfort. And we have so many ways of distracting and numbing ourselves. But, you know, I, I know this, I, I can say this with full confidence. What, what's got you to where you're at now isn't that you did everything right. It's that you probably, you probably have this pursuit because nobody does everything right. Not, so I'm not, it has nothing to do with you. Okay. I, I've done a lot of things wrong. Most things. Okay. It's probably this pursuit of, self-reflection and growth so at many stages you probably stopped many times and said is, am i doing the right thing like maybe it's maybe I, there's a better way of doing this it's that pursuit and if you if you're on that path then you will improve but in order to do that is hard because you have to reflect you have to be able to say to yourself yeah this probably isn't great and and the great starting point for that is the self-care question. Am yeah. I really taking, am I really caring for myself? You know, I work with, I have a coach that I work with sometimes and, uh, she asked me, she goes, do you love yourself? And I, I remember I sat there and I said, I wanted to say, yeah, 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 yeah. Cause I feel confident. I got charisma. I could do my thing. Right. And then I thought to myself, like I gave myself a dose of my own medicine. You know, I said, do I really do my actions? Do they really reflect somebody? And I said, and I, kind of made this face and I said, you know, a lot of times I don't, I don't, you know, take care of myself like somebody I actually love. So this is, uh, you know, when I'm talking, I'm talking to myself as well. Yeah. Uh, but I, I love fitness so much because it is a vehicle of, of, of growth, of personal growth that for, for now, who knows if they'll figure out a way to do this in the future for now, it doesn't turn automatically turn people off. Like, spirituality or other whatever um most people can be like yeah i think i'll try that you know for maybe for whatever reasons and then they get on this journey and they figure out like oh this is pretty cool um but but yeah i i hope i hope to make that kind of an impact and i hope people can move forward in this direction and I, i'm gonna tell you I, i'm saying I, I know i said this already there are lots of uh you know hows and why like okay well here's the best exercise for this and here's how you should you know, these foods are better for that. But, you know, that's below what I'm talking about. Like what I'm talking about, you start there and the rest of it becomes easy. If you get stuck on the the ones and zeros, you're screwed. Yeah. If you get stuck on the what kind of protein, what kind of car, what about this exercise? What about that? What about this routine versus that routine? And you don't figure out the other stuff, you're it's it's not gonna happen. Yeah. Sal, thank you so much. This has been such a wonderful conversation. I really do appreciate what you're doing. Thank you, man. I thank you. And I, uh, you, um, you communicate so eloquently or so honestly, I should say, uh, what that journey looks like. So like, hearing you talk, it's like, man, this is exactly what. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. You know, what I've heard from, from people who've gone down, and what I've experienced myself, like I said, I, I, I entered in this, into this space through my own insecurities and, and body image issues. So, you know, it's, it's great that you're there communicating it the way you are, because it's not the common message, unfortunately. Yeah. And I, I got to say, it's almost like, you know, for sobriety, I have people I talk to who are of like mind to me, and that's very helpful. And I didn't find that with food that I had a lot of people, but I can do this and I can have a conversation with you. And it's like, it's very, I want to just thank you because it it does help me. Like this adds to my foundation. I've communicated. I've talked about my issues. I've listened to what you've gone through and heard your ideas. And it, and it is, you know, I think entirely selfish in that way that um, this helps me to maintain what I'm doing. Yeah, no, it's awesome. It really is awesome, man. And, and um, I, I, we, we're in an interesting place right now in the world, uh, in modern societies, um, where poor health is the default. It's also starting to get celebrated, which is very interesting. And I've never in my life thought I would see diets become politicized and fitness become demonized. Very it's interesting. Crazy. It's crazy. And it makes you wonder why, why would they do that? Or why would anybody do that? Uh, and I have my own speculations, but, uh, we're in a war. And the war is uh, for your for your own empowerment and your own health. And the, most of the stuff that's out there is not geared in that way. Most of it's geared in in the wrong way. Um, yeah, there's well, there's a there's a tin tinfoil hat version of me that sees like the McDonald's CEO going like pumping money into, you know some version of pills but then also some kind of like a cultural movement where it's like this is this is normal you know we should all be we should all celebrate it the airplanes the small seats on the airplanes that's the airplane being fat phobic that's not a reflection of what bodies look like on average yeah, yeah you you're gonna open a can of worms but that that um initially it was because i think markets give us what we want not necessarily what we need but now I think it's a little bit more like um, unhealthy, unfit, disempowered people are easy to manipulate and make amazing consumers. Yeah. 
fit, healthy, empowered people are hard to scare, harder to scare, the harder to manipulate, and your consumption habits totally change. You, you don't buy all the crap because you don't feel like you have to, you know? It's just different. You don't make the best consumer. You know, if you're a dad that cares about your kids and feels healthy and fit and you feel confident in, in a real way, when I say healthy, I mean in the real sense, like mentally and all that stuff. I mean, you're not you're not out there buying everything to make yourself feel better or buying everything to distract yourself. And you're not scared every time you read a headline as easily. Uh, so I feel like now it's weird, man. Like I said, I, I see articles now that say things like uh, lifting weights causes toxic masculinity. And uh, man, listen, you listen, you you've been you've been on both ends of the spectrum in terms of like. And obviously now if somebody saw you and they didn't know who you were, they'd be like, man, that dude's really fit. Can you tell me one place that isn't more inclusive and accepting than a hardcore gym when you're in there working out? No, they're the best. They're, they're absolutely the best, but you know what? Like, dude, and this is a good thing to, to bring up because I had to lose 150 pounds before I was willing to step foot in a gym. I, I didn't, I had no idea. I just knew like the people there are, you know, and like, let's be honest, like there's a couple gyms in America where even today at my fitness, where I can probably outlift everybody there and do more cardio than them too. The people are assholes. But when you're talking about a hardcore gym, that's the gym I like to go to. My gym here is a hardcore gym and there is every shape and size and, and physical ability person in there. And it's the most loving environment ever. Yeah. A friend of mine, father, Steve, he's a, he's, he works on the word on fire podcast. He's a real Catholic priest. Okay. He also lifts weight. So he's like this, this like Jack priest, pretty funny, but we were having this conversation and he said, he goes, man, he goes, um, the church, obviously he's Catholic. He goes, the church doesn't do as good of a job as this as hardcore gyms do. He goes, the most accepting place I've ever been to is a hardcore gym. Nobody cares in yeah. a hardcore gym. If you're, if you're in there and you're trying, nobody cares. I don't care who you vote for, what you worship, who you sleep with. I don't care how big or small or tall or old or young you are. Like we're all pursuing the same thing. We're all in here trying. Nobody cares. I tell you what, man, I challenge people. I challenge people. If you're super scared and insecure and you're at, and you feel like you're super out of shape, go to the most hardcore gym you could find. Walk up to the scariest looking person in there, ask them for help, and you'll be shocked Yeah, at the response you get. It's the most welcoming, inclusive place. So when I read these articles that say that it's toxic and it causes all the... I'm like, who is writing this? Because this is not just skewed truth. This is the opposite of the truth, and it's terrible. And it's somebody who doesn't want somebody to work out. What is well, going on here? Or they went to, like, the Soho Equinox. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, and that, uh, you know... I agree. It's gross. It's not fun. I know. That's why I say the hardcore gym. It's exactly the gyms people are think are the scariest, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. just so fun. I remember I, I uh, as a kid, I walked into my first, uh, it was a world gym. And uh, this was like, a, back then, that was like the hardcore gym. And I walked in, I remember I was 17, you know, so I drove far to go to this gym. Like, I'm going to work out at world gym. So like pumped or whatever. And I went in there and... um there was some, you know, some, there was Olympic weight, uh, uh, platform back then. You never saw Olympic platforms. Okay. So you never saw somebody throwing and dropping weights ever. 
and, or chalk. You can never, so I saw these guys working out with chalk. Whatever. And they were just these scary, just, you know, they were, I don't know how old they were. They look like older, you know, old men, but they're probably in the thirties. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're just, they're, uh, you know, grunting and just, and I was watching them every once in a while. I'd look over and I do my thing. And I remember one of them goes, Hey, hey you know, Hey kid, Hey, you got, a, you got any questions? And I said, uh, so I started asking questions about like exercise and diet. And I was like, I got a free training session. Like they were the coolest guys ever. Yeah. It, it was just, uh, I remember it was such a, it was such a cool moment, you know, to see these like big, scary, serious looking dudes. And then, you know, they obviously saw some 17 year old kid who was trying real hard. So they wanted to help me out. That was so cool. But yeah, I dare you, man. I dare anybody listening right now. Go to the most hardcore gym With ever. the scariest looking people. And, and they're and, the kindest, coolest, like helpful people you ever found. You're, you're yeah. Me. yeah. I, I think that, that, that asking somebody for help at a gym is, is a great way to like, if you're scared to go in the gym, don't only, don't go in, go in and ask somebody tough or who looks like they're doing, been doing it for a while for help. And you'll be shocked. You'll be shocked at how helpful they are. I know it's crazy. It's uh my favorite would was when I so when I managed gyms, I used to love uh some of the gyms I managed were more hardcore than others, and some of them were more the globo. But I remember there were a couple times where this where I see these older women that would, you know, these are women I signed up because at one point I was a general manager, so I would talk to like a lot of the new members, and I would convince them that you need to lift weights. Like this, you're talking early two thousands. Like women didn't want to work out, let alone older women, right? But I'd convince them like, no, no, you got to lift weights. Here's what this will, this will totally really help you. And I, you know, I'd see them come in and I'd greet them or whatever. And then they'd walk into the weight room, real timid. And I'd watch. And every time, man, sure enough, some dude, you know, lifting the hundred pound dumbbells or whatever would stop, come over, give her a hand, help her out or whatever. And within like, you know, within a few weeks, it was like, don't mess with her. Yeah. Because every dude in there, you know, she's like, she's like the gym mom or whatever. You know, I used to love yeah. that. I used to love that's amazing. All right, Sal, thank you very much. Thanks, brother. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. And now, <laughs> take two on the Q&A. <laughs> okay, take two. Jason's got a question for you. Hi, Jason. He says, Ethan, big fan. Thank you for this podcast and telling your journey. I'm turning 44 this month and recently started a new journey myself. In December, I hit 400 pounds. I tried several times in the past to lose weight, but was never ready. I have lost 70 pounds now and still going. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. He says, I did my first 5K in April, but my feet couldn't handle it, and I was down for over a week. I yeah. started, yeah, sounds, I, I, I totally understand that. He says, I started lifting and now lift consistently. Being in my 40s, it's been hard to gain strength. I've seen my body transform, but the actual strength is not progressing as quick as I think it should. I'm 6'5", 330. I keep my calories at about a 700 calorie deficit and get an average of 250 grams of protein. Any other suggestions? That all sounds fantastic. You know, I mean... I think it's all relative, but like if you're if you're maxing out at like 225 on a bench press and you're just desperate to bench press 315, that that could take a while, you know. So if you're getting 10 reps at 225 and you want to get to 10 reps at 235, 
that shouldn't take all that long. But I think we have to be kind of realistic. First of all, I don't ever do maxes on anything. So when we're talking about strength, I think it becomes a little bit relative in in that like when I'm looking to move up in weight, I go, I'm working out with 225 on the bench press. That's like my kind of easy, I'm beginning a, a period of training. I've just taken a week off. I'm coming back to it. I'm going to do 225 on the bench press and I can easily get 12 there. Now, you know, five weeks in, I might have raised that weight to 245, but I'm not getting 12. So I'm using heavier weights, but I'm only getting eight reps. I'm tired. There's a bit of uh, fatigue on my system because I've been training hard for a few weeks now. Um, but I am lifting heavier weights. Um, so these kind of absolutes, I'm not getting stronger. I, I know for sure that any any amount of weight that I'm using, I could use heavier weights for less reps. And I think if you're really interested in actually developing strength, it, it, it gets very complicated because I'm not super in, invested in getting stronger. I am interested in getting better, preserving what I've had, what I have. But I think that like, if you're, if you're thinking about like the maximum amount of strength you have for one repetition, I, I, I don't, I don't ever worry about that. That's not like a, a goal I have, but if you're looking around and you're, you're unhappy with your weights, I think that if you lower your, the, the amount of reps you're working out with, like if you're working out with sets of eight to 12 reps and then you go like, okay, well, I'm going to work out with three to six. Can I use heavier weights? I think that might be the way to build strength faster. If you're, if you're very, um, if, if you're dedicated to strength and then I would even go like for somebody like him, if he wants to experience a little bit more power, maybe cut back to like 500, a 500 a day calorie deficit and have a little bit more fuel in the tank. Is he using creatine? Creatine can help with just how much your muscles can take on. So you could build the foundation for more strength just with that supplement alone and a little bit more fuel. It's kind of hard to build strength while you're in a deficit. I've always looked at all the times that I'm dieting as really just trying to hold on to what I have. You can do it. You can get stronger while you're in a deficit. It's very hard to build tissue and actually increase muscle mass while you're in a deficit, but you can certainly get stronger, but it's going to be a very small amount. Like it's not you know, if you're, if your max on, on the bench press is 225 and you're dieting, it's highly unlikely that you're going to get it to two to, to 315 while you're dieting. Your, your body just doesn't have the wherewithal to build up that high. Now I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's going to take a while. Yeah. Yeah. That's such good advice. I didn't even think about the part of like your dieting and your, you know what I mean? Like doing both of those things at the same time. So I hope that, that you know, is helpful. Yeah. To I mean, like there's different, there's a, a lot of, it's, it's fucking tough because we go into the, like, what's our, I would just say like pinpoint your number one goal. If your number one goal is fat loss, 
then concentrate on fat loss. And there's certainly ways to mitigate muscle wasting and lean tissue loss while losing fat. And the, the, the primary one is eating enough protein and resistance training. Mm-hmm. Don't try. I wouldn't suggest having your goal be losing all this fat and getting stronger and building muscle all at the same time, because all those things kind of aren't harmonious. You know, Mm -hmm. you certainly can get stronger. You could be in a caloric deficit and get stronger, but it's almost just like at that point, you're just, you're basically kind of, uh, tricking your central nervous system into doing what it can already do. It just isn't aware of it. If your central nerve, if your body hasn't pushed up 315 pounds on the bench press, that's a lot of weight that your body might not believe it can do. And so it's kind of like you have the structure and the ability to do it, but your body's going to give up because it's not used to it. So it's more just acclimating it and going like, here's what I want to do. And there's a way to work towards that, but it takes a while. Um, And I don't think if I was this guy's coach that I would suggest that that be a goal that is is in tandem with fat loss. I would go like, you don't want to get weaker. So keep working out, keep eating protein and concentrate on fat loss. Now, if, if you are just desperate to lift three plates, okay, we can do that when we're on maintenance. It's going to shit like that is going to be a lot easier to do on maintenance. Does that make sense? Totally, totally does. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. And thank you for the question, Jason. Let us know how it goes. If you have a question that you would like Ethan to answer on American Glutton, you can email us. It's hello at AmericanGlutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee. You can follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely.